and welcome to the My First Five Years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce-Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. We're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. So this is a podcast that really wants to help you find the joy in parenting and ditch some of that guilt and worry that we all have. Yeah, so let's ditch some of that anxiety and have more fun. And certainly if the feedback was anything to go by from our um, episode about realistic parenting, then I think we're getting some of those key messages across and people are enjoying what we've got to say. Absolutely. And thank you, those of you who left some feedback and rated and reviewed. And we had some amazing conversations and some amazing comments. So let's keep that going. Yeah, and some of the questions were great as well. So we were able to pop on the week after and, and answer some of those. And that's something that we intend to do more of. <laughs> Welcome to our Christmas special. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, you've got the beard for it as well, Alistair. Yeah, thanks. And you. <laughs> <laughs> we know from experience that Christmas can be a really exciting time of year with young children, but also it can be quite stressful for yeah. you as a parent, especially when you're trying to keep everybody happy and create those Christmas memories. Yeah, there's lots of just stress, anxiety at a time of year that should be all about relaxing, celebrating and being with your family. Yeah, but let's keep it real. That's not always what happens. No, but we've got a solution for that. We have, we have. Which we're going to talk about today. So that's why we've decided to dedicate today's episode to helping you through the festive season with your under five. We're going to give you some tips and advice on how to enjoy Christmas, but also on how to manage yours and everybody else's expectations. Which is no mean feat. No. And I know last time on the podcast we talked about realistic parenting, so if you haven't listened to that, it's definitely worth a listen back, because we're going to talk a lot about how you can be more realistic in your parenting in this episode, but that realistic parenting will massively benefit you and your child at the same time. Yeah, there's loads of things we can take from the last episode that are really going to help you through Christmas, but we're going to deep dive on some of those as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Alistair, let's start with why this time of year can be quite fraught with emotion, both for children and us parents as well. Yeah, well, Christmas is a really funny time of year, isn't it? Because you look back on it with rose-tinted spectacles and and it's all the magic of Christmas, which now starts sometime in July. Literally. But actually, the fact that Christmas now starts in July means that we've got this massive build-up for Mm -hmm. both adults and children. And also, I think as a parent, you want it to be magical. You want that nostalgia for your children. But actually, sometimes in trying to create the magic, whether that be paying a fortune to jump on a train with Santa or go to a massive light show or do a series of events and parties and all sorts of stuff. Or Elf on the Shelf, which is proper daily pressure. (laughs) Absolutely, just stresses you out Mm -hmm. and exhausts your child. So Mm -hmm. what you end up with is by mid-November, you're frazzled, your child's frazzled, and by the time you get to Christmas, what it ends up being often is a big disappointment because that magic that you wanted to happen just doesn't happen because everybody's just frazzled. Yeah, or peak too soon or whatever. Yeah, and so I think what we've got to talk about today is not being Scrooge or the Grinch. No, we're not trying to say Christmas Christmas should be miserable. But actually look at some of the science around things like how do children build memories, what are important to children around those long-term things that they will hold really dear and special. Mm -hmm. And think about how you can do those more as a family on a low budget and how actually loads of the connections you can make just as your family in your own family space are worth way more than that ticket to see the massive light show. And I think also it's about being realistic about children's behaviour in this time of year. You know, the expectations we sometimes have that they'll sit through a Christmas dinner, for example, when they're just too young to do so and that it's not a realistic expectation for their stage of development. So we're going to touch on that a bit as well, yeah, aren't we? They are often too young 
and then too excited and the combination of lack of maturity and overexcitement is just a recipe for disaster. It certainly is. And I think it's nothing that we as adults and parents don't know, mm-hmm. but it's just reminding ourselves that actually if we do all of these really exciting things on the road to Christmas, then of course your child is going to be emotionally exhausted mm-hmm. and they've got very few tools in their kit bag to allow them to process those emotions. So it usually comes out in what we look at as negative behaviour. Or just it goes wrong right from the get-go. I remember one year myself and my brother woke up at three in the morning yeah. and literally there was nothing our parents could do to get us back to bed. We we were excited. We wanted Christmas to start and in the end I think we opened our presents at about four o'clock and yeah. we're playing Scale Electrics by 4 30. Yeah. But by Christmas dinner we were all shattered. Yeah, my mum and dad crying. were shattered. Yeah. <laughs> it was too many sherries were drunk. <laughs> it so, goes down as one of the yeah. worst Christmases ever because we woke up too early, we were too excited and yeah. it just all started too soon. We love getting questions from you. So if you want to get in touch, then easiest ways to do it are go onto our Instagram at My First Five Years or via our Facebook community, which is called Parent Support Group, My First Five Years Community. And in both of those, we make sure that we get back to everybody that asks us a question. Let's chat through some of those challenges and scenarios. And thanks so much for those of you that have sent some questions in as well. We're going to tackle those as the podcast goes on. Jenny, did you see the one about um, going to visit Father Christmas, which really made me smile? Oh, well, you've got three children and I've got three children. (laughs) So we have been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And we've got so many stories to tell about going to see Father Christmas. Or we used to make such a big deal of it and we've spent various types of fortunes going to see various types of Santas at different places and queued and queued and queued and had the picture of one of the kids screaming on his knee and I think what you realise second or third child in is why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. The children don't care. And that's a classic thing where you're saying to the children, right, we're going to go and see Father Christmas. And for some children, and it's lots of children, seeing somebody in a costume or somebody in a mask or telling children that in the night a man is going to come down the chimney into their bedroom (laughs) is terrifying. Literally. So sometimes we again look at the nostalgia of, oh, I just want to have my child have memories of. And I think... You know, lots of children won't remember sitting on Father Christmas's knee unless it was the trauma of it. And that's one of those things where I think you stand for 35 minutes or an hour in a massive queue in somewhere that's hot under lots of lights and blaring Christmas music. Mm-hmm. You're stressed. Your Christmas shopping isn't done. You haven't brought enough snacks. Your children are getting <laughs> giddy. You wait for a very long time. You go to a small, dark room. You sit on a strange man's knee. He gives you a present. Then it's all done and dusted. Yeah, a bit and of an actually, anticlimax, yeah. In terms of what that will have done for that child, mm-hmm. uh, for your child or for you, it's probably you know, either a non-experience or a negative experience. Yeah. I mean, the pictures are good fun to look on after, to be fair. <laughs> Even when it is a picture of your yeah. child crying. Uh, but it's not a good enough reason to do it, let's face it. I think there are other ways for the kids to get to see Santa. There's a garden centre near me, for example, that has Santa just walking about. He sort of goes around, says hello, has a picture with the children. It's much more low-key, no cues. That's quite cute. Um, we've gone to school Christmas fairs and, and done it there with their peer groups and their friends and... Yeah. Yeah, the so, only so funny thing at the school Christmas one is often that the teacher's not quite as disguised as they think <laughs> they are. <laughs> and they'll say, that's Mr. Such and Such. Um, but yeah, just I think what we're trying to say with all of these Christmas experiences is don't feel that you have to do them. Think about why you're doing them, who's going to enjoy it, who you're doing it for. And sometimes the logical conclusion often is maybe don't bother. Just take that one off your yeah, to-do list and it's one it's less thing. if it's going to stress you out, then don't do it. And also if we're thinking about the magic of Father Christmas, 
then sometimes the magic of Father Christmas comes from the imagination and the story as opposed to the you know somebody that looks like one of your teachers dressed up as Father Christmas. <laughs> so it's about, you know, again, us being realistic in our parenting and crossing off the list things that actually are going to cause us stress and are not going to make that much difference to our children's building of nostalgia around Christmas. And I was chatting to my sister-in-law the other day who's got four kids who are young about the fact that in her WhatsApp group there was loads of people already saying have you booked the lights at and mm-hmm. it looked like an astronomical cost for a family so what she does which I think is an ace idea is they walk around their local streets mm-hmm. and it's a thing the kids know they're going to do and they get all wrapped up and it's kind of around bedtime so it feels like they're staying up a little bit late yep. even though they're not supposed to be about half past six <laughs> and they go and look at all the local lights and before yep. they go they've made a little card that says your lights are our favourite and they put the children's names in the bottom and their address uh-huh. and they push it through the door of the lights they like the best and the kids love it but also they've had information or messages from the people whose lights they were saying oh thank you so much that like made all the effort of putting up this the lights worthwhile what a lovely thing to do and it's got a real sense of community to it and it costs nothing mm-hmm. and her kids are just as thrilled with doing that and then coming back they have a hot chocolate it's all about oh it's dead exciting so again sometimes looking at instagram seeing those people who are off to the massive light show, whatever it may be, but you don't have to do that to make it magic for children. Yeah, I think we term it comparanoia and all we mean by that is that we get paranoid looking at the comparisons of what other people are doing and we really try to encourage you just to not do that and to let go of that as a a feeling and an emotion. And there's a little bit of that, well, there's a lot of that goes on with Christmas because it's looking at what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is posting on Instagram, how happy they look, all the experiences they're doing with the children and it starts to make you feel guilty that you need to be doing more and actually often in fact we've all seen it now these days there are so many people out there taking Instagram worthy pictures but you see that they've took 10, 20, 30 pictures and they've often not even done the experience it's just been for the picture itself and I love the idea of going round to local houses because actually more and more people are doing more and more spectacular things which in itself is about crazy Christmas (laughs) paranoia probably but you could take advantage of that and go for a walk and have a look at what they've been doing and uh, yeah we've got favourite houses around and about that people go to see and that the kids love. I think it's just about coming back to you know you want to be a family at Christmas that are having some real quality family time and why would you ever want to put any stress on your family that was going to try and fracture those relationships or make things difficult and sometimes when you just have a moment stop and reflect on why am I doing this and mm-hmm. we've all done it mm-hmm. and obviously if you want to do it do it but if it's going to cause you stress then just think, well, does it matter? And actually the science of how children develop would say that, you know, a lot of it doesn't. Those attachments that you can make in your family are the things that are really important. They're the things that make you resilient and curious and have that attachment with each other as family members. Going to these massive events doesn't always create the memories you think it's going to. And if you want to know more about Comparanoia, we've actually got an episode dedicated oh, yeah, to have. it later in the year. And yeah. I love that episode because it's something that we just all experience. Yeah. Louise, you've sent in a great question about overbuying gifts. Oh, yeah. um, she talks here about the fact that she doesn't think her children really care whether they have one or 20 presents. So she has really started to limit um, how many Christmas presents are under the tree. But she's struggling to rein in the wider family so that they still have this overwhelming amount of presents to open on the day. I think as well, for us as parents, you often feel like, you know, bad if you're not giving your children 
loads of gifts, but also there is a truth that children become overwhelmed. Yeah, literally just get bored of opening them. And one, well, the other thing that's interesting about opening presents is when children are kind of in a state of, of kind of high excitement and they've got all these wrapped presents, I can remember with my boys, them just literally shredding the paper off and then dumping the gift and shredding the paper and yeah, dumping the gift. Yeah. What next, they weren't next, saying next, was, no value. thank you, Grandma, for my lovely gift. Blah, blah, blah. And I can remember my mum getting a bit like, oh, spent time and effort on that and they've literally just shredded it and moved on and it's not that they're being rude it's about the state of um, excitement that they're in and mm-hmm. also the joy of ripping paper off is quite an exciting thing so they just get into almost like a present opening frenzy, frenzy. but then they forget who's done what bits fall out you lose the fiver that somebody sent in a card <laughs> somebody's saying get a bin bag let's get all the rubbish tidied up I mean, and we've many, all thrown away a gift when oh, we've done that oh, how, I was going to say how many times we've been through the bin bag to say <laughs> where was that whatever it may be so there is a real sense of when you are looking at children's self-regulation and yep. their ability to use those higher order thinking skills and processes yep. around I've got to be present in the moment, I've got to be thanking people, I've got to open this present, I've got to remember who it's from, they lose it's all It's just of too much, the, the wrong expectation of so most children, yeah. most teenagers, never mind Absolutely. most under under five. So what we're actually doing by giving them loads of gifts is making us feel better as parents, because mm-hmm. we must be good parents because buying our ch- children lots of gifts, but actually we are disabling their ability to be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, see what I did there? Present in the moment. Hey, clever, clever you. Yeah. yeah. So what would be better is to give them less and yeah. make the process of unwrapping the gifts more meaningful. Yeah. And I think, you know, Louise is right. There are very few children that would say, hey, hang on, <laughs> I've only got nine gifts here. And, you know, last year, I mean, as they get older especially with my teens, I remember social media became a really toxic place at Christmas about, look what I got and look what you didn't get. Before mm-hmm. you, you know, you're not fives, yeah. it's about what's happening in that room. At yeah. that They're not going to log on to Insta later and see what their yeah. four-year-old friend got. That's yeah. not going to happen. So, And also what you can do, again, with, with parents and grandparents, you can talk to them about the science mm-hmm. of how children develop. And also you can say, to make Christmas a more enjoyable period, we're going to stagger the gift given so mm-hmm. that not everything happens on Christmas morning so the children will get gifts to open throughout the day yep. or across Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. And again, I know lots of people who will keep a couple of gifts back mm-hmm. and maybe those gifts appear later on in the year or on birthdays or... I've never you know, done that. No, we've <laughs> never done that either, but I know people who have People that, that do, yeah. yeah. All, all, good, all ideas are good ideas. I love the idea of staggering the presents, you know, pick two for now, we'll pick two later... I like that idea, just so that they're in the moment opening the ones that they've got. What we've done as a family, just to share something that really works for us, we've got a really big extended family. And if everybody bought a gift for the children, they'd have 30 gifts to open. It's just too much. So years and years ago now, and it works really well, we draw names out of the hat and you end up with two gifts to buy and two gifts that you'll receive. And everybody really values them because they know that, you know, they're not going to get lots and they look forward to the ones that they do get. And We've been doing that for years now as a family, so works really well. I know it wouldn't work for everybody, but 30 no, presents is too much. It's finding strategies, isn't it? And also thinking about the fact that what do you want your children to get out? So if we're building adults of the future, mm-hmm. what do we want their thinking to be? What do we want, what do we want to be important mm-hmm. to them in terms of their core beliefs? And if it is that more is better 
yeah. then we're on a dangerous road. If it's actually that, you know, less is more, less is more because yeah. it comes with love and it comes with respect and it comes with value. Lots of thought and consideration because yeah, you want that one gift to absolutely. be something they're going to absolutely love. So yeah. where you might feel a pang of guilt as a parent that I'm not buying 30 gifts, which somebody else is. I think what we would say is what you're thinking about is the core values you are building where you're going to say, you know, as a family, this is what we do and this has been really thought out and this is what you get. Because if you think about when I, my old granny used to say they got um, a tuppence and a candy pig or something mm. in the bottom of a stocking and that was all they got. Yeah. And that was so precious because they would get one toy or one thing. Yeah. And they didn't get lost in this kind of stack of presents. And also you've got the frustration, often with grandparents, that they will open the presents and play with the box. And again, there's loads of interesting yep. science behind that. Yep. Partly that's because they're overwhelmed by what comes out of the box. But also, as we've talked about a lot in our podcasts, the box has got limitless possibilities. Open-ended possibilities, Whereas yeah. whatever you pull out of the box is only the thing you pull out of the box. Yeah. So again, it's about managing expectations around a grandparent who might be a bit frustrated if they've spent all this time and effort buying a toy and mm -hmm. the child just plays with the box. Yeah. But that's perfectly normal scientific development of children. And I think partly what we talk about a lot is the more we can appreciate that as parents, the less disappointment we have. And it's our disappointment that our children don't respond in the way we think they should. Yeah. And being realistic about how they're likely to respond and just letting it go. Yeah. This next question from Jess, I love because it's really close to my heart and it is about Elf on the Shelf. Oh, yeah. It literally is my Christmas pet hate and I've given up on the idea. It's one of those things that for me became toxic and I've removed it out of my life. Well, it's a really interesting thing, Elf on the Shelf, because and we're not saying don't do it, but what basically it is, is lots and lots of pressure for parents. It's like a brilliant idea. You see it on social media. Yeah, it started off as quite really a cute thing. Yeah. But then parents have got the pressure of 24 different elf activities. But also from a child's point of view, there is an element of a toy that comes to life, which can be a little bit freaky. But also sometimes what parents get the elf to do is really funny for parents, but quite traumatic for children. So the elf does things that will worry a child, as in, are they going to break something? Am I going to get blamed for that? Yeah. Or if the elf does something to the child. Oh, so gosh, I remember last year, the one with the marquee, the one with the sharpie. Yeah, so. I mean, it was funny, but it really wasn't funny because well, the butt of the joke was the poor kid. Yeah, exactly. Who then is in a state of high distress because of something that the elf has done. So I yeah. think whilst there is, you know, the idea, again, we're thinking about the magic of this elf that comes to life and does slightly, you know, things that are inappropriate. Um, again, if you want to do it, do it. But why are you putting yourself under that pressure? Again, yeah. children looking back. Uh, you know, there are plenty of other things that you could do that would build those special memories that don't have well, to do that. Well, speaking as a mum of three children, I started it one year, I think I got to about day nine, thought, nope, <laughs> life's too short for this. And my kids have not missed it. They haven't. No, so I'm a bit yeah. of a fan of saying no to Elf on the Shelf, but clearly parents are going to make their own decisions. But it's a perfect example of what you're doing it for, who you're doing it for, and who's having fun, if anybody. Exactly. And also the message that you're also giving children about about the fact that when this elf who who has in inverted commas bad behaviour is celebrated, then you're also given a clear message that it's okay for the elf to 
do whatever the elf has done. But actually, if the child did that independently of the Christmas period, you wouldn't be saying, ha, 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 my child has just put toilet roll all over the lounge. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot You'd of mental gymnastics yes. going on there, isn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Am I right in thinking we have done a really simple version of Elf on the Shelf for parents? We, we have. We've, we've written a blog post around our thoughts on Elf on the Shelf. And again, not saying don't do it, but saying this is some of the kind some of psychology of that's attached about, yeah. to it. Yeah. And if you are going to do a version of Elf on the Shelf, here's a version you could do that would just keeps it simple, whilst also not giving your child really confusing messages about how it's okay for the elf, but not okay for you. Yeah, love it. Keep an eye on our social platforms for that one. I know it's going to be a really popular read. Yeah. Without sucking the joy out of Christmas, what are some of the things that we can do as parents to help our children relax and enjoy it that little bit more rather than get into this frenzied state that can sometimes happen? So I think with hindsight, as a parent who has literally whipped my children into a frenzy over Christmas... uh, because I also love a bit of Christmas. Yeah, I'm a bit giddy about yeah. Christmas as well. But I think what you do is say, if you said to a parent, right, what are the things that help your child to be really on an even keel all the time? And parents would say things like regular routine, sleep, good food, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, as well as like love. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. So at Christmas, what you've got to try and do is maintain some of the really familiar things like routine whilst yep. accepting realistically, you're not going to maintain it all the time. Mm-hmm. But in every aspect of their life, from what they watch on the television, if they're in any kind of uh, preschool care, everything starts to be geared towards this thing that's going to happen and it's Christmas songs and it's Christmas adverts and it's Christmas episodes so it's been fed to them all the time. Oh and the nativity that they've oh, probably practised yeah. over and over again I don't know why that we stopped doing nativities in that way at nursery because the children were really not enjoying well, them. The, so I think what you need to do as a parent is try as much as you can to keep some routine around things like bedtime, bath time You know, try and keep food fairly regular and reasonably healthy like they would normally eat because you tend to get a lot more of the kind of sugar oh gosh sweets yeah, yeah. a lot Advent more that calendars happens. with chocolate in all starting the day that way absolutely so have those lovely little nuggets of joy but just try and keep some of the consistency because that's what helps children to regulate their emotion right if but it, we are realistic at my first five years as well so come on christmas day it's not oh, going to happen is absolutely it? not chocolate orange for breakfast crying <laughs> by 10 o'clock no bath time yeah. no but so you know on christmas day what you don't want is that thing where you just you know, not letting your child experience something different. Yeah, it's but in a the run up to, if you can say right, I keep acknowledge it as that these. As yeah, these are the things that keep my child on an even keel emotionally. Yeah, they're the things we're going to try and keep in place. Do you know the other thing we've got loads of experience of having done wrong was overscheduling Christmas. I remember one Christmas, yeah. and I was a child, and I remember this Christmas in a bad way, where we had relative functions to go to four days on the run started Christmas Eve Christmas Day Boxing Day and just for good measure we went somewhere the day after as well and I remember by the end of it all the kids had fell out with each other we'd all broken each other's toys the adults had fell fell out with each other nobody enjoyed it and I remember overhearing conversations with the adults saying we're never going to do this again again. I just think you know scheduling some days at home, staying in the PJs, watching some Christmas movies or going out for a walk in the local park. But just like you say, the the routine as usual. Because you can have too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing, most definitely, and especially at Christmas. Mm. I'm going to ask you, Alistair, to briefly recap on what we've learned today and some of the ways that we can handle the common Christmas challenges. Briefly, 
briefly. You know, I don't do brief. Okay, as briefly as I can. The big takeaway for me is just be realistic in your parenting. So don't imagine you're going to have this perfect Christmas because nobody ever has a perfect Christmas. But also know what you know about your child. You know your child better than anybody else. So the things that keep your child really emotionally stable, healthy and happy, just make sure you don't lose those at Christmas. Try and keep those elements as well as having some of the fun and joy that goes along with the festive season. Yeah, and don't be afraid to look at something that is a tradition and go, you know what, we're not not going to enjoy that, that. I'm not doing it. Let's run through five easy hacks for a smooth and realistic Christmas with young children. Well, because we are massively into realistic parenting in my first five years, my number one would be give yourself a break. Number two, it's not the big events that you go to that make those emotional connections. It's the little things that you do, like walking around and looking at the Christmas lights and having a hot chocolate after. Number three, keep it as simple as you can and keep it local. Number four, where you can, keep a bit of routine and don't overschedule. And number five, build in some down days. Build in that time just to take a breath in the midst of all the wonderful Christmas chaos. Thanks for listening today. Get in touch if there's something you want us to talk about because this podcast is for you. You can post questions on our Facebook parent support group or on our Instagram at My First Five Years. And if you want to read more about the My First Five Years approach to Christmas with young children, you can download the My First Five Years app. Just search My First Five Years at the Apple Store. We've also got lots of free resources on our social media platforms. We've got some gift guides that you can download, and those are quality things that we know that children love at different ages that they might actually play with rather than the box. (laughs) They'll play with the box as well, of course. We've also done a free gift guide, so ideas of things that you can make or things from around the home that children love as well. And Fran? Advent, we've also got activities for every single day of Advent that you can do at home with your child. Yeah, and again, they're fun and they're simple and really easy to do. And we would really love to carry on this Christmas conversation. So if you've got any thoughts and questions about what you're involved in in this time of year, head over to our social media channels and drop us a line because Jenny and I will be answering all of your questions on our social media channels this week. Our next podcast in two weeks' time will be talking about challenging behaviour and what is realistic expectations of children when they're young, which ties in beautifully to Christmas Day present opening and the likes. And just a clue, it won't involve the naughty staff. Absolutely not. So don't forget to rate, review and follow my first five years, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any other platform, as it really helps. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. 